The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the stories of world-changing brand campaigns and brand-building strategies as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. And over the next few days, we're going to dissect different brands starting with the NFL, the National Football League. Joining us is our producer, my good friend, Benjamin Shapiro, who is the CEO and the executive producer at I Hear Everything, which is a new media network that combines impact of audio with the power of digital content to connect creators and brands with their target audience. The Rebrand Podcast, as you know, is also a I Hear Everything network of podcasts. So here we go. Here's Ben and I, and we're going to talk about the NFL. Here's my conversation with Benjamin Shapiro, the CEO and executive producer at I Hear Everything. Let's get into it, man. The National Football League. Dum 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 dum. Dun 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 Playoffs. We got we got Super Bowl. I'm in Phoenix, so Super Bowl's coming. So it's been a been nuts. Let's let's talk. How big of a football fan are you? Before we get into the NFL, I am a huge football fan. I played football in high school. I tried to play football in college. My 10-year-old son's a football junkie. My dad played football. My grandpa played football. Like, we are a football family. So I... Did you I, try to walk on at ASU? I wish I could be good enough to walk out on ASU. I'm, I'm more of a D2, D3 guy. I'm kind of short when I play wide receiver. So, you know, but I love it. Played flag football, like, well into my late 30s. Just love football. I just think it's a, an amazing team sport. And the marketing behind the NFL is genius. I'm more of a college football fan. And I've done tons of marketing. I, you know, I did. I helped launch the Arena Football League after they went bankrupt. I've worked for a ton of professional sports teams, sports marketing. I've done a ton of sponsorships with major brands in sports. So I don't technically have like a sports agency per se, but I do a lot within sports. So it'd be fun to really break down the NFL, which you know they're not a client, but I just love what they've done, how they've built the brand. I mean, that shield really means something. So excited to have you on with me, and let's let's break this shit down, man. So I I worked at a sports marketing agency. Okay. And I was getting coffee, making copies of things and pretending that I had a real job. But I learned a little bit about marketing and, and sat next to some people that actually worked in sports marketing. I was very early in my career and I wasn't there for very long. Where'd you work? A company called Genesco Sports Marketing. They're based in Dallas. They're an independent agency. And at the time, I don't know what they do now. Uh, I know Genesco. I've I've met the owner. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie and John. Yes. And they're they're doing something really interesting right now as a spinoff of that. I'm not sure if I can even talk about it, but they're 
they're onto something with some legacy heritage kind of project stuff. That's really pretty cool. But yeah, I know those guys. I didn't know my ass from my elbow when I worked there. <laughs> I hadn't really figured out my career and I was junior and I was kind of, I was there for probably a year, but I was, I, I have sports marketing on my resume and I was on the high school football team for about a month. And then we started doing tackling drills and I decided that I'd rather be in musical theater, but I've <laughs> always been an incredibly passionate football fan. Unfortunately yeah. for the University of California, which I didn't even go to college for, but I've been saddled with being a Cal fan my whole life. It's just oh, yeah. a lesson in humility and patience. And I thought being a uh, Arizona State Sun Devil was tough. Uh, no, you don't know uh, anything. You drunk yeah. Cal. Yeah, that's brutal. That's that's awesome. Oh, I, see, I, I wish I could have been a musician, but I wasn't athletic enough to be, you know, D one football player. And I have no musical talent, even though I, I love music as much as football. So I, I, I love never said I was good, good at that music? either. But but it was better you than what, no. What I was instrument? I was like a an actor. Ah, yeah, I was an actor. You were like and a part singer. of the cool drama. You were like part of the cool like drama crew. Yeah, except the cool part wasn't part of it. But I was in the <laughs> drama crew. Yeah. All right, well let's let's get it. So you got a little, you kind of know a little bit of the sports marketing world. What are we going to talk about? We, we we've done a ton of podcasts, and we're like, hey, let's let's just get on and free flow. And let's do our own podcast. And I know you want to interview me on some stuff because I I tend to have a take at least somewhere. So what do you what do you think we should give the listeners today? I think that there is the stature of the NFL brand. What makes them unique? I think that there is the how did they get to this point? And then I think that there is some of the controversial stuff about the NFL. So let's talk about, I guess, what makes the NFL unique to you. Why is that brand and the, the product something that that is for a guy that didn't want to get tackled more than once and a guy that wanted to play Division two or three football, but we're both still huge NFL fans. Why would we subject ourselves to getting smashed into the head because we're watching it on Sundays. So it's sort of interesting. At times in branding, I talk out of both sides of my mouth, right? I tell a lot of early stage companies as we're doing brand workshops and we're either launching or, or retooling brands. And we really are trying to find a tribe or a target audience or a core audience that is really unique, that shares values. And it's really specific. And then after a while, you can kind of broaden that out, right? And a lot of times people... I see make the mistake of starting too broad. In the case of professional sports teams, I tell them the exact opposite. So when I started doing work for a hockey team, an NHL hockey team who was kind of retooling and relaunching, it was all about broadening their their fan group. Otherwise, they're not going to sell as many tickets as they want. Their ratings aren't going to be as good. So I think what the NFL has done over the past two decades, what they've done really well is figuring out how they could just broaden out what they had just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And they're really good at not just catering to their core. In a lot of cases, especially with professional sports, they run into the mistake of marketing to their hardcore fans. Like I think baseball does this a lot, right? And they have a hard time getting out of their own way and they don't want to piss off their core, right? And sometimes their core doesn't want the game to grow. So the NFL really, I think, turned the corner about six or seven years ago when they started marketing to females. And they really wanted to get females more involved in football and watching football involved in football with... They embraced fantasy football. And they really embraced their core audience of that you know, 25 to 54-year-old kind of male, heavy sports, heavy football audience to a bigger and larger demographic with females and, and higher produced games and fantasy football. 
And they just became more and more powerful. The ratings went through the roof, tickets, everything. Now, now they are the leader of professional sports in the U.S. There's no question. The thing that sticks out to me about the NFL brand, and I guess maybe this is sports in general, it's like being part of a gang. You get your colors, you have your regional territory, and you get to yell and scream and watch from the sidelines, but feel like a participant where you are competing with someone else. And I think that that's, in general, what makes sports so compelling is, A, the, you know, the competition and the sort of physical achievement, but also the sense of, of victory and loss that is a shared communal experience. And I think that the NFL has become such an impactful brand because, A, they keep it relatively simple. I think that even going down to the color palette, like there are the standard league colors and all the colors are the same across the teams, right? The red from the Houston, one of the Houston Texans is the same red color as the Arizona Cardinals, right? Those colors are, are static. And I think that that's interesting to me. But I think that the thing that the NFL has done is they have basically, and, and a lot of this has to do with television. I think that the the sport generally films very well. It's relatively spread out. There's one ball. You can kind of like see where it's going. I think that there's pauses for people to regroup. So I think that the product is visually compelling. The in-game experience is wonderful because you get to drink beer and scream at stuff. And I think that it's a way for us to all get together for the home team and, and root or, you know, yell at the away team if they're in the stadium. But to me, it's the, that sort of like regionalization and gives the people a, a feeling of community and also sort of the static nature that allows everybody to easily identify how to build that community, what, which team they're on. Totally agree with what you're saying. Now, I want to I want to challenge you a little bit. I think from a, well, I'll call it for better lack of a better word, but tribalism, right? Where you you have kind of a, what you call them a gang. I think that's a great word. You're, it's exactly right, tribalism. tribalism. I don't, yeah. You know, marketing, we just make up words. But a lot of pro sports and college sports have that as well, right? Where you feel part of the team. I mean, even in football in, in Europe and, and around the world, you feel part of the club, right? So I, I don't know if that's differentiated from the NFL compared to other pro sports. But to your second point, what is absolutely differentiating is the produced television product that they put out is unmatched. It's not even close in terms of the drama and the movie like and the and they were the first with the cameras that are overhead, you know, swiveling around. It is made for television. I mean, like hockey, I love hockey. You know, I've done a lot of marketing for hockey. It's not made for television. You can't see the puck. As very well on TV. We don't know who the players are. Like it's just, it's just different. It's this white thing. It's just not made for TV like the NFL is. Same thing with baseball. It's not made for TV like the NFL is as slow. So I still think how they've broadened the demo to make it such a big event that they I think are playing into American FOMO. If you don't watch the Super Bowl, if you don't watch a playoff game, other people are going to be talking about it and you don't want to be left out. Whether you're Young, old, female, whatever demographic, someone's going to be talking about a game or something that happened. And I think you don't want to be missing out. And I mean, shit, the NFL even gets you to watch the damn commercials. And so the second thing I would say that's differentiated from the NFL, other than the broadened demo, which I brought up, other than the television product, which you brought up, 
I think the third way they've really differentiated themselves is I think they think like a tech company where they've built a moat around their brand. A lot of people can be happy with being kind of a beloved brand and everything's great. I think the great brands, and this is a, a tech philosophy that I've learned doing a lot of tech work up in San Francisco with companies like Airbnb, is they want to build a moat around the brand, which makes them um, protected from attacks. And attacks could be bad PR, attacks could be competitors. And the NFL has built a giant moat around their brand. So PGA didn't have a big enough moat. And the Saudis are like, we're going to build Live Golf. There's a lot of other sports who have seen competition. The NFL has seen people try, like the XFL, like this, you know, uh, USFL, arena. the AFL. And yeah, yeah. We, we can name all of the, the, the lost tries against the NFL because they built such an insane moat around the brand. I mean, even the head trauma stuff that they didn't go down for, really. I mean, there was some bad stuff, some really bad behavior caught by people. I mean, a whole movie. I mean, Will Smith did a movie around it. And then even some of the owners have, have had a ton of bad behavior. But they have such a strong moat, nothing seems to be able to penetrate the homeland and knock them off as the most loved sports league in America. I want to talk about that for a second because I think that the NFL got really lucky. I think that the storylines in the NFL in 2017 to 2019, 2015 to 2019 were Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. Right. There was protest and there was the sort of civil unrest and Black Lives Matters, like that whole movement. And there was the CTE where Junior Seau shoots himself and players are dying and they're not providing health care. And why are we watching this stuff? These guys are killing themselves on the field for our enjoyment. And I feel like the NFL was actually really going through some real PR crises for the first time in a really long time. And then what happened? COVID. And the world shut down. And the NFL said, we're going to put our helmets on and we're going to go through that brick wall. We're going to play these games. I don't give an S what happens. We're playing the games. And people are going to be in the stadiums and they can wear a mask if they want to or they don't. And I think everybody in the United States specifically was so ready for any sense of normalcy that that feeling of camaraderie and tribalism, like you said, really saved the NFL from the PR trauma that really could have devastated the league. Now, would the NFL not have been as popular? Like, Who knows whether people would actually put their money where their mouth is. But to me, the timing of the COVID outbreak and the you know when the NFL season happened and it being one of the first games to come back, I think that that really saved and, and made people remember why they loved the game because of the camaraderie. And then all of a sudden, the CTE thing is just something that we've kind of accepted. And the Colin Kaepernick story has kind of gone away. They put some, you know, nice statements on the back of the helmet and it's kind of lipstick on a pig. But, you know, to me, the, the timing of COVID really helped save the NFL brand. You know what? I didn't think about that around how they were playing and, and how a lot of that stuff did die down kind of after COVID. That's a really interesting insight that I had not thought about that makes a ton of sense. You know, I remember looking at the ratings during the Kaepernick annealing and it was substantially down. And it was really getting caught into some different political things going on, whether you're for it or against it. You know, I love a lot of different points of view around that, but I like looking at the numbers too. And the ratings were definitely down. 
And there was some concern. And that's also why I think the owners banded together and didn't sign Kaepernick. I mean, the guy was definitely a oh, black, NFL blackballed star. as blackballed could be. Yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, he, I'm, I mean, I'm biased. He, I'm a 49ers he, fan. So uh, yeah, it was he, a great assault. But yeah, no, I, look, he, he certainly had the talent to be, I mean, at least a backup quarterback. I mean, that was pretty crazy. He's better than Blake Broyles or, you know, yeah, Chad yeah. Henney. Look, and I'm not here whether to say it was right or wrong, kneeling or whatnot. It was great for Nike's brand and they knew it and they calculated it for sure. And so you kind of had that going on, which was interesting. But yeah, they probably did get lucky in some ways. But also, again, to my earlier point, I mean, they had such a powerful moat around the brand. Like, it's tough to take it down. I mean, there's such a core base of fans that will accept change and know that change will will come and go. I've never seen anything happen like... If I'm an Oakland fan and they move to Las Vegas, I'm pissed, right? But they're like, okay, no problem, right? And now like Las Vegas loves the Raiders, like brand new team. They're like, yeah, I went to a Raider game like three weeks ago in Vegas. And it was crazy. The the amount of forgiveness that the core fans have. If if you were a baseball Raiders fans team, are used to their team moving around yeah, a lot. I, it's not, I mean, not there's the first just time. so much movement. I mean, it's, it's weird to think how many of these teams move around just purely based on what's the best economics for the owner. I mean, if a baseball team, if the Cleveland Indians moved, the people in Cleveland would not be Cleveland Indians fans, right? Like they would hold a grudge forever. To Baltimore became the Ravens and then the expansion team became the Cleveland Browns. It's not like people in Cleveland root for the Ravens. If anything, it's quite the opposite. Correct. I mean, but just football fans in general, like, oh, you want to change kickoffs? You want to change extra points? You want to change the way people hit? You want to move here? You want females to be involved? You want to do this? You want to do that? Like, We just love it so much. We have to have it. In baseball, your hardcore people are like, what? You know, you're going <laughs> to... Start a runner on second base? What are you talking you're about? You're going to make the game faster? Oh, this is, you know, historic game. Like, we can't change anything. They are not allowing that sport to evolve and become and stay relevant. It's crazy. And people, baseball's not doing well <laughs> because of it. Because they're not evolving and they're just... They did. They allowed steroids. And then everybody was really excited about baseball because... People are hitting the ball 600 feet. Uh, and then yeah, once, and the pitchers were on it as much too. I mean, they're throwing 104 miles an hour. The Bonds era was super fun to to watch, but I, know, I, 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 it wasn't ethical. I know. I just, again, the, which, no, no, I, we can go off on tangents here, but like, I mean, the NFL has, they've just dominated for so long and they find a way to promote stars, but yet still more of a team game. So it just has so much diversification of risks where basketball, if the star's out, they're done. And the players, you know, the, I think the average time in the NFL is like two and a half years and the, your pension doesn't hit till like three and a half years. But yet people still love it. You know, it's still the National Football League and now college sports is basically their minor league systems. I mean, I, the owner, I mean, Super Bowl in Phoenix, I mean, there was a lawsuit in Phoenix just recently about when they take over a city for Super Bowl, they literally own the entire city. If you own a wallscape or a billboard, you have to basically sell it to the NFL. There's no other non-competing NFL sponsors that can be on. In fact, there was a lawsuit in Phoenix by the Goldwater Institute and they won and because the NFL was forcing a lot of things down people's throats. But they do it in every city. It's crazy the amount of kind of power that they have. But ultimately, I think they can get away with what they can get away with and they can do what they can do because they have the fan base and people don't care. I mean, they have the hardcore fans and they have the casual fans. And it's become kind of a, an America's sport 
And it's all been done, in my opinion, with really, really sophisticated marketing from a brand side. And when you talk to even individual teams, I have a lot of friends that run marketing for teams. They don't care about ticket sales. They don't think about very specific low-end funnel ways to convert people and to sell an extra t-shirt here or sell an extra ticket there. They think about from a big brand standpoint, like how the game's produced on TV, what are the storylines, what are the potential negative PR things that could happen, how do we protect... They say it all the time, how do they protect the shield? And anyone that works for the NFL, commentates for the NFL, has played for the NFL, they better be on the team of the shield or you're going to be blackballed whether that's a city hosting the Super Bowl, they get alignment really quickly by either force or by making sure everyone in terms of sponsors and people are really aligned on what the goals are. And it's pretty insane. I mean, obviously, I'm impressed from a marketing standpoint. But I do think when you peel back the onion a little bit, you can see some things that should be concerning for almost any other brand and that literally could completely take you down. But to your point, they haven't. Because they've got the fan support. So I don't know. Like one of their employees almost dying on the field this year. Like they're canceling a game and almost playing the AFC championship at a neutral site because a guy had a heart attack while making a tackle. It's amazing. It's one of the strongest brands that I can think of. Right? We think of Coke. We think of Apple. We think of Google. You know, all these other brands that are just like world-class you know, world-changing brands. To me, the NFL has to be in that category because it seems like all sorts of just awful shit happens in the NFL. And it just, it bounces off the shield. It's just that thing that we might not want to love, but we just enjoy the experience and we see the colors and we get into the game environment and just can't give it up. No question. And I think what it comes down to in one word as to why they've had the success they've had without the pitfalls is alignment. They get alignment from everybody, which is why, look, the owners share revenue. I mean, back in the 80s, I mean, our my co-founder and business partner's dad helped bring the Cardinals to Phoenix in the 80s. And the owner would go to all the visiting games. You see the owners in the owner's box because literally they would get a check from half the gate revenue. I don't know if it was half, but I think it was half of the gate revenue from the visiting team. Like they share, they have a pool of money they pool together. And so anyone that does business with them from a sponsor or a city or a player, like they're all aligned, like all owners do things together. So I think what companies can learn a little bit from the NFL is how can you get really, really clear alignment with everybody? So you're saying the same things, doing the same thing, have the same values. And if anyone's going to go against your alignment, like it's going to be met with heavy resistance. And I think that's what they've done to avoid a lot of those pitfalls. I mean, no one, no one breaks off against them and survives. And so, I mean, it's kind of a, a little bit of an evil way of thinking of it. But maybe that's how my crazy mind works. Defense wins championships. That's what I have to say. It's about alignment. Yeah. It's about 11 guys being on the same page uh-huh. and trying to get the ball in the end zone. And it's, it's the league and the other office and each team. And I agree with you 100%. So again, I guess we're, we're, we're talking about the NFL. We want to mix it up a little bit. Again, this is kind of a fun one. We got Super Bowl coming into town. Kind of a fun brand to talk about. And really, it's fun to talk about. So maybe this will be a fun podcast. But what can we learn from this brand I mean, again, I, I know Benjamin, you know, he gets into the weeds with a lot of Mark Tech stuff. And of course, we can do that. But again, this podcast, we want to talk about more of the top of the funnel and the brand things and the insights that maybe are negotiable and are debatable. 
and how can we we take some of those nuggets from a broad based thinking and apply it to our our businesses and our brands and our partnerships. So with that, we're uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks to Ben Shapiro, CEO, Executive Producer, I Hear Everything. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Ben and I are going to do a brand teardown of eBay. If you can't wait till the next episode and you want to learn more about Ben, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Ben J. Shap, or visit his company website at IHearEverything.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to the Rebrand Pod and we'll have all the summaries and information from our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter or if you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker. Of course, you always can reach out on social media. Our, our handle is at Rebrand Pod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Or you can hit me up directly on LinkedIn. I'm Sharky AZ. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up Scott Harkey. Uh, if you haven't subscribed and you want a daily stream of marketing brilliance in your podcast feed, we publish an episode every day during the work week. So please hit that subscribe button. We'll be right back at you in the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.